Welcome to Ask the Therapist, the podcast that invites you into the therapist room to explore the world of mental health with me, your host, Sarah Rees. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ask the Therapist. Today I'm talking with Dr. Julia Vall, a clinical psychologist, author, researcher, podcast host. She's trained in compassion-focused therapy with Professor Paul Gilbert and a friend, I'd like to say, and she's based in Warsaw in Poland and had the pleasure of meeting Julia after following her work for a number of years at the Compassionate Mind Conference in Birmingham last October. And over this last year, she has been writing the Cancer Workbook. It's a book to help people develop a compassionate mind for treatment, recovery and survival. It's for people experiencing cancer, for healthcare professionals and for relatives as well. It's out now for pre-order. It's going to be a really fundamental text that's really going to be so helpful for us in the clinical world and for people that are going through cancer diagnosis and for people living well with cancer. I really enjoyed our in-depth conversation and I'm sure you will too. Welcome so much to Ask the Therapist, Julia. It's lovely to have you here. We've just got to know each other over this last year and it's been an absolute delight. Could you tell everybody a little bit about you to start with? So I am a psychologist. Uh, I'm uh, I'm also a, a lecturer. Uh, I uh, dread saying uh, um, uh, that I'm a writer. Uh, well, dread because I, I, I still... Uh, um, haven't fully embraced this uh, writing or writer's identity. How do you <laughs> know? You, know, I, I... you, <laughs> you were writing four books, were you not? When I asked, uh, y- yes. So we'll we'll discuss my my psychopathology maybe a, a, a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I specialize in uh, uh, contemplative approaches, uh, uh, science, uh, and also uh, recently eco-psychology and eco-therapy. These days, I'd say that uh, uh, the majority of, of uh, my time is spent uh, teaching, you know, lecturing, uh, educating people on these, uh, on these topics. Whereabouts in Poland are you? That is that where you are at the moment? Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, currently I am in in Szczecin, uh, which is uh, uh, which is uh, very close to the German border. Uh, but uh, I uh, I live in Poznan, uh, which is uh, quite a recent development uh, because the majority of my adult life, uh, well, it's been it's been Warsaw, uh, so uh, it, it's still uh, uh, well my identity. Is still split, you know, between these two cities now, so Warsaw and uh, and Poznan, uh, and I I also did spend some time in uh, in Derby of all places, so a lovely uh, place for pensioners. No, I'm 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 joking, <laughs> of course, but it's uh, well, it's it my it may be not the the most uh, uh, vibrant of cities, uh, uh, but uh, the good thing about the Derby, other than the uh, its green areas, is is the people. As the people and I, I, I met uh, uh, s- some wonderful uh, people in Derby, uh, some wonderful friends, and uh, home to our professor Paul Gilbert. Exactly, and yeah, so uh, he's uh, he's to uh, be blamed or uh, thanked for uh, for uh, Derby in my life because that's why I ended up in in Derby, to be honest. Did you do a PhD there? I did do uh, my PhD at Derby, University of Derby, uh, 
And uh, that's also because of Paul, because I I don't want to say that uh, I was a stalker, but it is true that I, uh, encouraged by my uh, then supervisor, Chris Germer, I, uh, because um, I, I did say to Chris that uh, I wasn't fully satisfied with his uh, conceptualization of compassion, uh, and there was something missing. Uh, and he was he was uh, he was very lovely and very uh, very patient about it, patient with me. And he said, uh, "I understand what you're saying." And actually, there's this uh, this guy in the UK, and I'm sure you would really like him. And I think he uh, he's the answer to uh, <laughs> what you're saying here. You know what what. Uh, what you're looking for and uh, so that person was uh, uh, this Paul and uh, so I uh, I googled him and there was uh, a conference coming up in in London uh, on uh, empathy and compassion uh, so that's how I met Paul and then there was another conference in Manchester and uh, and he was also very patient with me very helpful and uh, helped me with finding my my supervisors supervisors including uh, uh, my director of study uh, David uh, saying hello to David and actually uh, we're writing a book together well there's a bit of a delay uh, but yes uh, there will be a book on uh, cancer care but uh, maybe I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later how did you end up being supervised by Chris Germa? Again, it was, it was a sort of a coincidence. I uh, I was missing something in, in 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 mindfulness, and together with a friend of mine, uh, Magda, uh, we were uh, looking for something that would be more. How can I put it? Well, that would be the 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 answer to uh, what we thought would be important to our patients. Mm-hmm. And whilst, uh, uh, as we know, mindfulness is very very important, and it helps you. Uh, basically notice what what is happening learn to be with that difficulty but actually that being with the difficulty which is called exposure uh, might be difficult at times uh, because yes you are in fact exposing yourself and that's why we need uh, compassion so uh, i always say that there are these three regulatory tools uh, uh, tools that regulate our affective state so there is attention there is mindfulness and there is compassion so with attention uh, as we know if there's a difficult emotion or a difficult thought uh, and it's like uh, in that situation in that moment it's like there's nothing else you know we believe that that's the only uh, truth about our reality or even about ourselves our I- identity that's um in the first kind of psychology of compassion isn't it the ability to mm-hmm. turn towards and mindfulness mm-hmm. and- towards but then if there's no second psychology exactly so we're, we're you know we're just with the shifting of attention so i can shift my attention to something uh different rather than this difficult emotion or difficult thought so then we have as you were as you were saying mindfulness so 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 being with that uh, difficulty even opening up to that pain or in some cases suffering uh but then uh being with it isn't enough and also, in some cases, it might just be too challenging for some of us or in certain situations. So how to initiate the processes of appropriate uh, effect, you know, so uh, appropriate emotional states that would actually uh, help us be more resilient when it comes to that difficulty. Uh, so we need this these free tools. And going back to that story, something was missing for us. And we found uh, this guy, Chris, Chris Germer, uh, doing things on self-compassion. 
And so me being, um, I don't want to say an arrogant uh, 20, I guess, six-year-old, I just emailed him. And he was uh, crazy enough to respond to my email and accept my invitations. So he came over and did a workshop for uh, for us in, in, in Warsaw, in Poland. And uh, then the next step was for me to ask him to, to supervise me because I was looking for a, for a person uh, specializing in mindfulness and compassion. Self-compassion, well, there was something missing in that concept for me. Well, as we know, that was about the other flows of compassion, because uh, we do not live in a void. And uh, uh, whilst at times we need to go uh, back to that first flow of compassion, we need to focus more on ourselves. If we end up solely focusing ourselves, it's just as problematic as not having self-compassion at all. <laughs> so we basically end up in that same, uh, pardon my French, fucked up situation, you know. So uh, so we, we need to embrace the, the, the free flows of compassion. Plus what I was missing in that concept, whilst I really appreciate it, you know, it's, it's, it's and, and I love the, the work that that, that Chris uh, uh, is doing, was the, um, uh, was the uh, scientific background or rational behind it, you know. Because that is something that's very important to me. Because, well, no, knowledge is about being safe, you know, and actually knowing what you're doing. And uh, and we want to uh, be brave enough to be uh, uh, critical of, of what we do. So uh, uh, that was an important part for, for me. And that's the scientific mind, isn't it? Always questioning, it sounds like. Yes, that, yes. That's yeah. very much who, who you are. I always think that being a therapist and psychologist is such an interesting and strange career. What do you think mm. led you to kind of going down that path and and choosing mindfulness? And- uh, well, uh, as 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 you know, uh, Sarah, uh, uh, we're always interested in the things that we may be lacking in. So maybe to, to start with, why mindfulness? Because uh, quite often I'm not very mindful and what I mean by that is that I can be quite hectic hotic you know uh, my mind is all over uh, the place uh, you can call it uh, being creative and that's the other side of that but uh, you know m- mindfulness uh, uh, was was a tool and approach and and a way of being that uh, was helping uh, helping me to uh, uh, be more uh, more grounded it's not the easy thing, is it? The more creative you are, the busier your mind, which I have a bit of that as well. It's yes. kind of, and with my yeah. clients that I work with that have these incredible minds that can mm. go to all these different places. When I talk to them about mindfulness, often they go, not for me, that. But I kind of say, the busier our minds, the more we benefit. Although it's helpful for you, it's generally not the thing that you find the easiest when you like. Uh, so, so I, I think, and my uh, well, well, excuse, uh, let, let's let's call it for doing mindfulness, because you know I may not uh, strike you as well. Not always that there are moments, of course, as uh, a monk-like uh, figure. You know, uh, <laughs> I just don't have that style. That's not my personality. Uh, what I'm saying is that maybe it's important to have different representatives, different people doing different things, including doing mindfulness, because uh, then if the person uh, comes to us who's like, well, you know, I, I can't imagine myself just just uh, sitting down and, and focusing on my effing breath and just, you know, doing nothing. There are so many things to, that uh, I should be doing uh, right now, including, you know, doing things for, for others, you know, because I, I, I know some uh, beautiful human beings uh, 
uh, let's call them activists, and some of them are, who are like, you know, I, I need to be helping people right now and not just focusing on myself, you know. And uh, and I, I really appreciate that. But as we know, again, not focusing on yourself can be just as problematic as focusing on yourself. So <laughs> never be extreme uh, on any of these uh, spectrums. So uh, if we want to be taking appropriate actions, we need to have also appropriate time to to reflect on things, uh, not to rush into into things. Uh, because as we know, in, in, in CFT, in compassion focused therapy, sometimes I have the courage to do things. So I, I may see a person who struggles, you know, uh, like Paul would say, oh, there's a person who's drowning, but I don't have the wisdom. And whilst I'm trying to save the person, I realize that I'm actually, well, I can't swim, you know. So where is that uh, where is that wisdom yeah, uh, knowing what the right tools are a compassionate mm-hmm. motivation but without the wisdom exactly so i think you know we are always focused on the things that that maybe are missing or are are are, are uh, a bit of a challenge to 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 us uh, mm-hmm. uh so so that's that's why my mindfulness and compassion i want to say that well it's not as problematic for me because i'm a very compassionate person well i think i i am a, a caring person but i i can't say that compassion is always easy for me because compassion as we know is not about uh liking or loving the the people who uh, whom we already like or love that is easy you know that's quite easy even if at times they drive us crazy uh the thing is to be compassionate and that includes the courage, the wisdom, knowing what to do, how to do it, where towards the people who are problematic to us, or we are problematic to us, you know, because it goes both ways, obviously. And how to uh, inspire the right uh, effective system, because if there's a person who's saying openly on, or not, uh, doesn't matter, because we, we can uh, uh, quite often sense these things uh, uh, quite easily. Our threat system is tr- being triggered in that situation you know mm-hmm. so and 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 we are uh, at times uh uh over focusing on ourselves because that that is this potential threat you know so how to notice that and maybe if i can't fully uh stop this uh a threat uh, reaction you know uh uh, experience in myself, I can uh, focus more on these other uh, systems, you know, and uh, be less threatened and actually be able to communicate with that person rather than trying to retaliate. You strike me as sitting very much in your drive system. I know when we met, you were writing four books, <laughs> even though you say you don't identify as a writer, <laughs> you are. Where does your drive come to, come from? Where does that motivation come from? Uh, well, I would say that's not my fault, Sarah. It's not your fault. It is your responsibility. <laughs> but it is my responsibility. That's absolutely true. So uh, I think it's, uh, well, in, uh, uh, I'm saying it's not my fault because I think it has to do with my uh, temperament. Uh, so uh, it's to do with my neurophysiology, my my genes, and of course, uh, the culture that, well, and by that, I mean my my family, that uh, my parents uh, who have uh, inspired me to to. Uh, 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 to focus on certain uh, on certain topics and activities, so that's part of both my physiology and my my family culture. Let's let's say, but I, I uh, to answer your question, I would say that my drive system is also mixed with my threat system, <laughs> because as we know, it's not that straightforward. You know, so sometimes these two things are both in the mix, uh, intertwined, and sometimes if it's something that uh, 
seems like uh, a good thing for us to 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 be doing and uh, an exciting thing uh, as well. It's because of our threat system. So, uh, and it might be to do with our own personal uh, threat system or thinking about all these other threats that are in the world. So uh, what drives me is, first of all, my own personal drive and this need to be creative, to explore different topics and to to, to see how I can make them uh, work how and I can put them in practice. Because again, whilst I appreciate my, my theory and, 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 and my knowledge, uh, uh, if it's purely theoretical, then it's, well, what, what's the point to that? You know, uh, it needs to be of of use. It needs to be of of uh, of help. You know, so what is helpful in all these beautiful intellectual endeavors? You know, <laughs> uh, but the other thing is is to do with my my threat system because I would I would like for both me personally and uh, for for uh, for the world uh, 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 in general to be less threatened. You know, more at ease. Yeah, yeah. And you you've just I think if you just finish your the book on I yeah, not yet, but almost, almost. Okay. Tell us about <laughs> it. So it's the cancer workbook, but that it's writing yes. passion focus therapy. How did that come about? I'm really my one of my dear, dear friends has just gone through we've had a year of she's gone mm-hmm. through having breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm. somebody so fit and healthy she's just turned mm. 50 and then got this massive diagnosis so it's been a hell of a journey mm. so you know I, I think this is just such an important area and topic mm. to know how you've ended up writing this book For, well first of all I should say that uh, uh, again was something uh, personal because uh, what seems like like ages ago my my mother uh, she had cancer Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so, uh, you know, it was it was a personal, uh, or it has been because it's 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 never over, you know, cancer. It's it's like hanging over you once it's it's there, you know, it's always uh, there in the picture somehow, you know, uh, well in in the background, uh, and uh, um, and and because of that, I thought, well, actually. I don't hear that much about it. You know, it's like we're afraid to mention the C word. It's like with the S word, you know. So uh, I, I don't necessarily have to be specializing in in, uh, in somatic psychology, but there will be people, there will be patients who uh, who may end up being ill, including uh, having cancer or people who have uh, family members who, who suffer from cancer. Um and uh, I, I did see also in myself, and I still do. I, I have to be honest about it. That's may, that's maybe why I have a uh, uh, a slight delay in, in writing this book. Uh, this avoidance, you know, some topics we don't want to necessarily be focusing on. It's like this uh, other version of wishful thinking. You know, it, it's like uh, once I mention it, oh my goodness, this might actually happen to me. So better not mention uh-huh. it at all. Uh, we want it to be somewhere yes. else. We know it's yes. around, but it's yes. over there. It's not in our world. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I, 
the Korean German uh, philosopher Han calls it the algophobia phenomenon. So the fear of of pain. So we we would just want to avoid any type of pain at any cost. You know, so we want to just sedate ourselves. Uh, including sedating ourselves with at times uh, meditation or mindfulness where we mentioned it. So, but it, you know, it, it's just a tool and it depends on, on us, how we use it or misuse it. So it was also a personal uh, act. Uh, I, I want to say that it was all for the patients, but uh, that, that, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be true. So it was an act of a, a personal challenge to me and a personal journey. And I have to say that, yes, I am still on the journey uh, to to be uh, uh, brave enough to be faced with the things that I don't want to be faced with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so important because actually it's, it's like we'll all kind of meet mm-hmm. cancer in one form or another. Yes, or another. Like there's no what, two ways about it. Are there common struggles that you've seen people with cancer face or people around mm-hmm. them? I would put it simply, change. That so many things... Uh, uh, are changing in so many different areas. Uh, so it's it's the the physical uh, dimension, including uh, quite often uh, going through a lot of physical pain. You know, so so physical pain. Okay, and and the body might be quite different once you undergo all these uh, different types of of uh, procedure, surgeries, treatment, uh, etc uh changes in your social structure uh, be, uh because uh, well some people uh and, and again coming from the uh compassionate perspective we understand why that is that uh, some people might be reluctant to be in touch with that cancer experience you know and and as paul would say in order to learn about uh, and i am paraphrasing him right now uh learn about compassion more we, we should also learn more about how we dissociate from from pain and painful experiences it's not to blame these people but to understand why that is but having said that that is very difficult for the uh for the person who's who's going through that experience because suddenly there aren't that many people around you know yeah it says when you walk into a room and you have that conversation it's kind of yeah. it's not the conversation people want to be having is it mm-hmm. so people mm-hmm. want to sit down and dissociate from mm-hmm. it it's so mm-hmm. scary to everybody mm-hmm. around you and uh you know you're you're uh, supposed to now embrace that cancer identity and and somehow people uh, uh they want to embrace that uh, cancer identity and i would say that i do understand it and and actually it's about whilst trying to accept the the situation that you are now in uh it's not to to say that now you are only cancer you know it's like uh, i am cancer you know uh, uh, like with any identity, if we are depressed and then we say uh, quite often it's like there's nothing else to to who we are. Well, that's not true. OK, uh, this may be uh, the main thing in your life right now, but that's only only thing. And actually, is it really? You know, maybe there are other uh, areas that are just as important. And actually with uh, the people uh, uh, that I work with uh, for for some of them. Um, uh, and it's not that they are not uh, brave enough uh uh, to 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 discuss their cancer experience, but they want to be telling me about other things that are happening in their life. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have the freedom to uh, uh, to discuss cancer and all that it entails, treatment, all the, the issues that come with that. But they want to tell me about these other identities they have. You know, I'm still a mother. I'm still a father. You know, I uh, 
I'm still a lover, you know. Uh, I'm even still a taxpayer, you know, so I'm part of the society, you know. Illness, it's like uh, uh, being a different type of a, of a citizen. You know, I think it was Susan Zontek who said that it's a different type of citizenship, you know, uh, uh, that we would prefer to be in the in the kingdom of the of the healthy rather than being in the kingdom of the of the ill. But actually, at some stage, we're having to uh, embrace both of these uh, identities or citizenships. And that is, it's so consuming, isn't it? Especially going through the treatment. If that becomes your identity, how do you mm-hmm. shift back? It's all consuming, isn't it? Oh. The treatment stuff. How do you shift back? Mm-hmm. Or is there a new normal? Do you kind of go to a new normal where you kind of have a foot in both kingdoms? You mm-hmm. are very in touch with illness and what that means. And mm-hmm. what does that look like? Uh, well, I don't want to be generalizing here because... Uh, uh, Working with with patients taught me one thing that whenever I have these uh, smart answers, you know, my clinical formulations, uh, terms, uh, uh, this may not work with that particular person. They might not uh, appreciate that. Uh, uh, so I, I would I would say, hey, uh, as a true psychologist as well, you know, it all depends. It all depends on the person because with cancer, first of all, Sarah, as, as you well know, it depends of the type of cancer, uh, the stage of the cancer, uh, the wider context that the person is in, you know, uh, whether the person has got a good social uh, network or not, uh, uh what type of personality that person is, you know, uh, uh, so whether the person is more prone to be in their drive or threat system, you know, so there are so many uh, different issues to that, uh, to that question. I think we shouldn't embrace any of our identities uh, too much. We shouldn't go too far with any of the identities that we have. Uh, That's always problematic. So I would say, and that's quite all right if in the beginning, you know, I am completely in that experience. I, you know, that's, that's, that's part, it might be part of that experience. Uh, but what I think might be helpful and what, uh, uh, or, or what my patients are telling me, because that is, um, I, I guess, more important <laughs> from what I'm thinking about uh, the, the whole thing, is uh, being able to look uh, at what is happening from that compassionate perspective, from that compassionate identity, uh, if you will. So what would the compassionate self say about what is happening to, to, to me? What would uh, be helpful in that uh, in that situation? So uh, this uh, metacognition mm-hmm. with the ingredient of, uh, of compassion would be uh, uh, what I consider to be most helpful. And what differences have you seen in your um, in the people that you work with when they started to integrate compassion? Uh, they become more at ease. And as we know, working uh, as a psychologist or a psychotherapist uh, or simply as a person who's trying to psychologically support people who are in that experience is not about trying to uh, save them, literally. And, and sometimes you, 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 you can't. And uh, I had patients who, who have died. And that's always, always uh, very, very um, uh, painful. And you're like, ah, you know. I would like for their uh, medical treatment to go so well. And I would like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I would just like for them to be saved. You know, <laughs> I would like for them to be alive and, and thriving. But uh, I also see uh, the patients who themselves know that, um, well, more most likely uh, they are going to die. 
mm. uh, that their minds are more at peace, that they don't struggle as much. And uh, yeah, that's uh, in some cases that's the the most we can do. That's and that's the most important thing. So if we can uh, facilitate that process, help them get to that place, that that is absolutely wonderful. Peace and contentment, having a more settled mind with wherever. Uh, more settled, even if it, well, contentment, uh, well, just, yeah, if that's what uh, being at ease is, then, then yes. So uh, uh, just uh, not struggling as much, uh, not being in that threat system anymore, uh, being able to, to uh, uh, die, yeah, die in a peaceful way. Yeah. Mm. Because it's so triggering for our threat system when we're unwell, yeah. isn't it? How mm. can we compassionately hold illness, mm. do you think? That's, that's actually um, uh, why, uh, uh, why I'm focusing on, uh, on compassion, because compassion is about, uh, uh, well, uh, again, it's not about, as, as you well know, eliminating the difficult, because that is not possible and that wouldn't necessarily be, be helpful. It's uh, it's about being more resilient. I I'm quite uh, uh, irritated. I have to be honest. Whenever I hear that compassion is only about soothing, you know, it's about these nice cuddly emotions, and uh, uh, and I have nothing against uh, being soothed. And it's important, as we know, it's about in our CFT language. It means uh, being able to uh, to self-regulate, to ha- or have the better well uh, better regulation of the free uh, mo affective modes. But uh, uh, it's not about soothing. We need to self-soothe. So therefore, we can learn to be more resilient. So we can be more courageous, uh, including being with that effing cancer, because there's nothing lovely about that experience, you know. Using your strength. And I think it was Gonzalez. I don't know if you know him. He's over in Chile. talks about we need to bring out the passion in compassion. Yeah, exactly. So these days, quite often, there's this reference to fierce compassion. Well, I don't necessarily like the term fierce. First of all, I think uh, the courage uh, is already in compassion, the way we understand it in in CFT, you know. But yes, there is passion to compassion. And uh, compassion helps us not only be with the difficult emotions, but also it's initiating, activating the uh, positive emotions, including feeling safer, doesn't mean that now uh, the world is devoid of of, of dangers, you know, uh, but at least I can feel a little bit safer. I have, have more access to this uh, uh, safe or soothing uh, affiliative mode of mine. So having more openness to my struggles, but also being more resilient. Yeah, yeah, from that place. And who is the cancer workbook for? Would it be good for clinicians? And is it for relatives and people supporting people with cancer? I think my my editor would accept my answer as being it's for all of us. And that's actually true. <laughs> it's actually true. So I think this uh, this book may, may be equally uh, helpful to uh, clinicians, so people working with, with cancer, trying to help cancer, people who struggle with cancer, and again, notice I don't want to say cancer patients. I, I want to say yeah. people with cancer uh, yeah. because that's only part of our identity. Uh, but it's also... It's a uh, switch in our language, isn't it? Yes. And, and I like the word patient uh, because it's a person who's patient. And that's true. You know, you, you need some patience in our, our struggles. Yeah. And so uh, 
uh, it's it's both for 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 clinicians and and for people who struggle with cancer and what follows, you know, cancer treatment, but also for the families to to see what um, may be uh, helpful to to their family members uh, and also to themselves because quite often uh, and which is understandable, we don't focus on the people who are not necessarily our cancer patients, but who are their supporting network, their family and friends. And they also need to have resilience to to uh, uh, to better support uh, the people who, uh, the, the close ones who are suffering, you know, and themselves, because as we know, that is free flows to compassion. So in order to be with something painful, uh, we need to also learn how to be more resilient because even if we're trying to create this perfect world and, and perfect, uh, kind language, there are always going to be situations of, of pain, whether it's physical in cancer, but also emotional, personal pains and struggles and, and simple misunderstandings, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I think pain is just uh, unavoidable. You know, you can't avoid it. Not, no, it's part of being the human condition, isn't it? And and our journey through life it is a part of our life. We need tools to be able to work with our yeah. struggles, don't we? So I'm very yeah. excited about when when will the book be out? Can we pre-order it yet? <laughs> Hopefully by the time this, uh, this episode comes out, you know, uh, uh, the book will be at least half edited uh, by my editor. So uh, it, it'll appear in, uh, I want to say bookshops, but uh, uh, these days uh, uh, on specific websites rather. <laughs> in September, if I'm, I'm correct here. If you'd like to find out more about life behind the scenes of private practice, then why not join us in our Therapist Corner Substack community? Therapist Corner on Substack offers an exclusive look behind the scenes of the business of therapy, bringing together diverse perspectives and exploring the how and why of the business of therapy. Visit therapistcorner.co.uk to sign up or for more information. How have you found the writing journey? Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, uh, once again, there might be a, a bit of a disappointment, Sarah. Uh, it, it's not that I have well-established routine. It's a, a little bit more uh, chaotic than that. <laughs> I think mine was very chaotic as well. <laughs> so uh, at times, I really, ha- I really struggle with that, especially if... Uh, for a week or two, I haven't been writing, then it's harder to get back into that mode of writing, uh, creative mode. Uh, and, and sometimes it's like physically having to uh, uh, make myself sit in front of the uh, computer and, and sometimes stare for an hour at the uh, blank uh, you know, uh, sheet of paper, which is a Word document, but yes. Have you done all your writing? I'm trying to uh, to be more diligent, uh, more organized, uh, uh, also because I don't want to be uh, fueling my my fret system, <laughs> and uh, because of the responsibility that I I, I feel. Uh, as you mentioned, there are some other books uh, to come. One is uh, these books are uh, unfortunately. Uh, will only be available for, for for now, at least in in Polish. So one is about the the power of a tribe. Wow, I'd love to yeah. read that yeah. and community and connection. And- exactly, one is important and uh, what we've lost. Uh, more of a popular book that uh, would encourage people to to look at how they related to each other and how to create communities. Uh, 
and well, we uh, need that over here definitely so it'd be yes great that can be translated into a few different languages hopefully so and yeah so i'm writing that with a good colleague of mine and another book that I'm writing actually with my partner is on shame. So again, a more popular book, uh, not necessarily addressed to uh, psychotherapists, but focusing on the on the culture of shame, what shames us, you know, what are some of the both physiological, genetic, but also cultural ingredients of shame, oh. and uh, how we can work with that instead of it being something that makes us uh, passive, because as we know. Quite often when we experience shame, uh, whether we shame ourselves or being shamed by others, we feel this, we're in this utter state of shock, inertia, you know, it's we're immobilized. We can't move. Even if the intentions, whether it's our inner critic, uh, self-criticism, they're trying to be helpful, other people trying to uh, be helpful. People recognize when they're shamed. Do you think they would say, I feel shame? But for um, some people to say that I am shame is shameful in itself. I can feel it with my clients sometimes. I feel like there's a resistance. I feel like I have to spend quite a long time helping yeah. people understand that yeah. it's shame. And one more thing about, about shame. Um, uh, shame is actually quite often the, uh, the, the thing that cancer p- patients experience. For a variety of reasons, uh, but because everything is changing. It's not just the one thing that's changing, you know. Every yeah. single dimension of uh, well, again, it depends on the on the type of cancer, stage of cancer, type of treatment, you know, your your social support, etc. All these different factors. But uh, um, some patients even blame themselves. You know, the uh, uh, maybe it's my lifestyle, and and maybe I haven't done enough. Uh, and I know I know some people who who really let um, uh, some. Uh, uh, um, some have extremely healthy lives and they still got cancer because of their genes. So it, it's really not their fault, you know. Yeah. Uh, we are told this, aren't we? That if we do this, we eat this, don't Positive drink. thinking, positive thinking. Yeah, that, that's why we don't want to be focusing on cancer because, oh, you might, you know, we, you might actually, well, trigger type. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, the, this thing that, yeah, let's not even, you know, name it, you know. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. so that's that's I think a thing that's not often mentioned when it comes to cancer. So uh, shame, a lot of shame uh, associated with with that, and uh, uh, and also because we're suddenly so vulnerable, you know. Uh, so. <laughs> I had um, a few years ago now, just on my leg, I went to um, see a dermatologist, and he told me it was cancer, and the treatment was fine. It was a basal cell carcinoma so it was treated very quickly it was just a laser procedure but I didn't tell anybody I was so embarrassed and I was like how you can't discuss that it's like it's a conversation bring her down isn't it and, would- and if you don't mind me asking uh w- w- do you know why you were so embarrassed the shame of it I think I was ashamed mm. yeah but do you know why? Why? Because that's very interesting. You know, why, why, why were you so embarrassed? That? Um, it was an ugly mark, I suppose. Um, hmm. And I just didn't want to say the cancer word. I didn't want to oh. say. I just. <laughs> how would you say that? You know, because I like to be bubbly and fun, and and I didn't want hmm. that to be associated hmm. with. So. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so thank you for 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 saying that because. Uh, Exactly. That is so. Uh, it's all about our fra- uh, how fragile we are as human beings. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, I the 
the pull to get the treatment to not have it part of me was immense. And it, mm. and it was a tiny, you know, yeah. it was on the scale mm. of kind of cancers. It was, you know, a very easily treatable, but I was mm. crazy mm. to get it off me. Yeah. Yeah, but there's because there's a, 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 a and rightly so, you know, uh, so much fear associated with it, you know, because you never know, even if it's your know, second stage, can, you know, breast cancer, which is you know treatable. It's not well. It's a wow. Actually, there's a quite a good diagnosis, you know, <laughs> but but it, well, you never know. So uh, there's this fear of let's call it by its name, dying, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. Not only change and things changing, but yeah, that but death. So, uh, um, so there's a that this leads to another topic. You know how we discuss uh, uh, um, um, uh, these type of topics. You know our uh, fragility, uh, illness, death, and dying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've we started the conversation here. But I, I really appreciate you saying about your experience as well. Thank you for that and for, for the courage. And I, I, I still hope it was okay for me to ask the question. But, but also sharing, uh, in, in not in a way that's uh, uh, seductive uh, vulnerability, because uh, sometimes, of course, uh, people uh, when they want to sell something, they say something about themselves to uh, uh, to make us closer to them. But it's not about actually sharing; it's about selling. But I, 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 I what I wanted to say is when we are sharing in a in a way that uh, I don't like to to uh, to uh, use that word, but I'll I'll say it anyway. But but we're we're sharing in an authentic way. <laughs> that's something that's something that's that may be really helpful. That's about our common humanity. That's that's saying that even as as helping professions, we're part of that uh, life circle. And uh, to be honest with with you, why I am still uh, uh, focusing on on the on the topic of cancer, even though that I am trying to avoid it at times. <laughs> I am for the reasons mentioned before, including, you know, it's just a difficult topic, you know, and, and it's, it's hard at times is because it, it makes me really humble. And I think it's a topic that, that at times uh, I don't want to be eloquent uh, about it because uh, I would rather my patients uh, say things than me saying things for, for them. But if I can be a, some kind of a voice for them because sometimes they simply no longer have the strength if some of the things based on my previous experiences with patients may be of help to other patients uh that's that's maybe why why this uh you know me being including being here is important shame i think is an area that i'm fascinated about and and really keen to learn a lot more about I'd love to know a little bit more about kind of the mm. mental health services in Poland. Whenever mm. I get somebody on from a different country, because yeah. we are struggling here in the UK. Mm. And I spoke to somebody in in America the other day who yeah. is having similar difficulties. What are mm. mental health services like in Poland? <laughs> and now there's silence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my silence uh, translates into uh, uh, we're not doing that great. Uh so especially when it comes to, to children uh, and young adults, uh, uh, it's it's just gone terribly, terribly wrong. You know, uh, uh, I'm hoping with the new government and uh, they're actually saying that they want to focus uh, one of the uh, uh, 
ministers who's responsible for for that uh, for the ta- that topic uh, wants to focus more on uh, 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 mental health. Um, uh, yeah, but so we'll 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 see how that goes. But uh, we just simply don't have enough. Uh, uh, psychiatrists, uh, psychotherapists, there isn't enough access. And yes, there are a lot of uh, people in private practice, but it's so expensive, Sarah. You know, it's so expensive. And many people, you know, if, if you struggle with, with something you and you're supposed to uh, wait for another year or two, that's just, that's very long. That's too long, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, not that great so i would say uh, the private sector is thriving because we are getting more and more clients patients but uh, unfortunately uh, the polish equivalent of nhs is uh, uh, maybe is doing a little bit better i i think <laughs> than yeah. the english nhs uh but uh yeah, there's there there's a long way ahead of us, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think it's too well. This could be applied with this, this answer to uh, most places in the world. Yeah, I'm yet to meet somebody who's got some positive wisdom to share or uh, kind of ideas. It feels really scary at the moment. Again, having said that, what always uh, strikes me as a bit strange is that. Uh, well, these days we have so much knowledge and, and expertise and actual tools uh, that may be applied to make this world better, and we're not doing enough. And I, I think at, at times it's to do with our own uh, individual or should I say individualistic minds that are harmful to or, or, or uh, not as helpful to both ourselves, our individual selves and others, you know, and uh, so I, I guess the next year conference, uh, CFT conference uh, uh, in London, that is focusing on the harmful mind, you know, the dark side, uh, and not to uh, to say, you know, it is your fault, you, you know, effing person, what, you know, what, what the hell are you doing? But understanding again uh, how we how we operate. <laughs> the, so it is our responsibility, but it, it's hard to be a human being, you know. And having that moral imagination, uh, John Paul Lederach calls it moral imagination, um, imagining the most awful enemies that we might have as parts of our tribes, because yeah. we do have this new part of our brains. And it was well, very difficult because it is, and, and we would rather avoid certain type of people. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure, uh, again, and uh, some people would rather avoid us, you know? <laughs> but uh, um yeah just trying to work with that you know trying to communicate better i don't need to uh, love you or like you but i need to be collaborating with you sarah but i actually do like you uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> so which makes it easier for 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 for, for, for me, us yeah. we're okay yeah <laughs> yeah i run a um a, a group for therapists as um it's called therapist corner it's on a platform called, called Substack for writers mm-hmm. and there's about two thousand of us all in private practice mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and now i'm really trying to encourage therapists to start kind of trying to deliver their skills and practices in mm. other ways like yeah. on courses on using substack or doing more writing and blog posts and getting because yes. we have so much knowledge it's about exactly. not to come out of the therapy room and just be you know a lot of what I'm taught from my CBT yeah. perspective I just think I should have been taught that in school why yeah. wasn't I ever told that my mind is crazy and thoughts are not fact yeah. how to manage yeah or anxiety you know I just think it should be 
lessons. Yeah, and, and I, you know, and and uh, uh, sometimes you know, I'm I'm struck uh, by uh, well, how, how to how to be uh, diplomatic about it. Uh, I see these uh, you know mindfulness or psychology forums or psychotherapy forums. And uh, uh, in some cases, these are the most awful for- forums I've ever come across. There's so much hate and uh, competition and, and and times pure aggression. And I'm thinking, how did it go so wrong? You know, or we, we, I should say. You yeah, know, and you're always thinking, because I've had a couple of communities of therapists, and we are a tricky bunch. I mean, yeah. we are, you think we, <laughs> we do a lot of exploration of the human mind that we might have got some of it together. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Put us in a tribe and a community, yes. we behave exactly the same. Hopefully, I would think I'm... <laughs> Managing a community a little bit better on a different yeah, but so so what I was trying to say, maybe not uh, 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 in a very articulate way. Uh, apologies for that. Is that if we as as people who are supposed to have all the tools and of course knowledge and even wisdom to to know how to cope with difficulties with uh, for ourselves and others, uh, at times struggle with it so much. <laughs> So what about all these other people who may not have the same um, level of education or psychoeducation, you know, and, uh, and, it, and, and, and what you're doing is just beautiful, Sarah. So congratulations. And because, the, you know, that, that's a way to, in, 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 to in, inspire not only us in that small tribe of, of, of uh, help, our helping professions, but uh, 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 trying to, to go beyond that and reach people who, who, uh, uh, might otherwise not uh, learn about certain things, um, but yeah. because it's in the end, it's it's about all of us, you know. <laughs> Working together, it's that common humanity. Yes. At the end of the day, yes. whatever our skills and knowledge are, yes. we're all in this together, and we've got to come together collaboratively. Yeah. Yeah, but all and all and also, uh, yeah. What I really appreciate about uh, uh, CFT is that uh, uh, we are trying not to shame uh, ourselves because. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, our good intentions or our uh, uh, superficial kindness might actually be a superior perspective that we're taking. You know, uh, so uh, we are trying to be helpful. We are saying something to others, but the way that we're saying certain things actually is well shaming the other people. You know, yeah. so so how how to how to. So, so the the question that uh, that we ask in compassion, what is helpful and what isn't? You know, it's not the question of what's bad and good. You know, because that's a bit uh, judgmental. But what's actually helpful? You know, and how can we tell that it is? You know, and of course, it always changes. You know, and one question that I ask all my guests <laughs> on this podcast. But if you could go back to the young oh, yeah. version of you, Julia, the 15-year-old version of you, what would you say to yourself? What would you say to young Julia? Um, uh, well, I, I, I would say uh, uh, that I understand you. Uh, <laughs> so, again, I understand what you're going through. <laughs> so... Uh, 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 what we've been just uh, uh, saying, you know, uh, understand why why we have certain types of feelings and and uh, uh, and re- reactions, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I would also say to that version uh, uh, of myself that uh, you don't necessarily have to be liked by every single person on this planet, and that's okay, uh, and. Uh, 
uh, appreciate more the people who and uh, who are actually there to support you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, and be more diligent and do uh, learn to play the piano and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, the drive system now, aren't you? Insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I do, I do uh, uh, regret not. Uh, uh, well, I learned to play the piano, but not to the extent that I would like to. And uh, I know some foreign languages, but uh, yeah, but you are right. That's uh, that's something that's not as important. Uh, that would just be something that I would now enjoy in my uh, soothing uh, affiliative mode. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a piano in COVID and I've literally <laughs> sat down with it for about 10 minutes. So that's my dream as well. That's my future. Yeah. And and I would I would also say to the person, be brave, not not arrogant, but but brave and and do things. And uh you can work through your shame, you know, and uh because I think sometimes shame stops us from being more compassionate to others because we're so into ourselves, you know, and we are immobilized uh, because of that shame, because we feel that we're not good enough, uh, that only people knew certain things about us. They would never have, you know, uh, like, you know, liked us or uh, appreciate us, et, et cetera. So uh, you're uh, on a mission to shine a light on shame going forward in 2024 and help yeah. us all our shame stories. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, and I would also say a thing that uh, I know it, as as psychologists, uh, psychotherapists, we we shouldn't be saying, but it's all going to be fine. <laughs> it's really, it's really going to be fine, you know. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, and don't worry so much. So all the things that we shouldn't be saying, but I, I would, I would like to hear that as a. 15 year old and uh I've been bringing uh, a bit of reassurance back into my therapy life I really because of the CBT I've been trained in as well I was like no reassurance no reassurance but yeah. actually sometimes you know we need a template of a safe holding space yeah. don't like yeah okay we will navigate this thank <laughs> you so much for today how can I know people are going to be wanting to follow your journey yeah. and your work where can people find you where are you most active um, Do you have so find me find me on Facebook. Um uh I need to update my website so uh, so that will be coming up soon but for now uh yes Facebook is the best option to to find me and you can also message me on 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 Facebook. Uh And what's the you name of your podcast? The name of the podcast is just one simple question, very simple question, how to live. Obviously it's a rhetoric question because uh there's another expectation, which is understandable, that people uh, have towards us as as healthy professions. You know, so how to do it? How to live? How to live best? You know, how not to suffer? And uh, I don't know because it depends. You know, so I I can't be giving you the answers. I may just be uh, helping you exploring what's best uh, best for you. You know, uh, to oh. both uh, be uh, suffering less, and maybe if the suffering is. Uh, if you're more at ease, then maybe also helping you thrive a little bit more. So that's my my intention. Lovely, lovely note to finish on. Thank you so much for today. Thank you, Sarah. All the best to you and your listeners. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Ask the Therapist. I'll be discussing all you've heard in this episode and more over in the Therapist Corner community on Substack. To join me there, just click on the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care of your mental well-being as you continue on the path to becoming the best version of yourself.